NFR. NFR Extra is a podcast dedicated to the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo and features icons and personalities that embody the Western lifestyle. You know, I, it seems like every year when I'm there stage right, watching someone come on that's been a musical hero, at that moment, they're always my favorite. Like, it's that that's, that's what I try to create every year. Um, that's that level of satisfaction I try to get is sitting there going, wow, I can't believe Robert O'Keefe is oh, right, gosh, right in front of me. Hey, what is that hat over there? And I said, oh, it's just a sample I made. I don't even know what I'm going to call it yet. I said, I, I was thinking about Ruffy. And he said, well, what's Ruffy mean? And I told him, you know, very passionate explanation about who he is more for timings and Ruffy and all this. And he goes, all right, we'll, we'll start it in 50 stores. We'll see how it does. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so we're doubling now. Music can be looked at as either the most important thing that we have in our soul's connection to God, or some people see it as ambient noise and completely irrelevant. So, and some people see it as somewhere in between. This is Brylan Bentley, and you're listening to NFR Extra. Good morning, Joey. Good morning. How are y'all doing? Doing good. How about yourself? No complaints at all. Just uh, finished up a Really cool event here in San Antonio with Wade Bowen for the Bowen Family Foundation and um, played golf a couple of days and uh, they were able to raise a good bit of money for their charity. So uh, it's been it's been a, a bit exhausting and, and very hot a few days of golf. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, I was going to say, what is the what, what's the mercury reading down there right now? When we played on Sunday. We had a noon tea time. I think it was the hottest day of the year down here. It was 105. Mm. And, uh, you know, we all needed a nice bath after that one. And then yesterday we had an earlier tea time. And, I mean, I think it only got up to 100. So, um, yeah, it's what we call relief now. I know you guys are experiencing out west as well. But uh, Wade put on a great event. And uh, I don't know. I think they raised over half a million dollars. So it was a big, big success what is the uh benefit for that he that he puts on there with his family so uh it's the bowen foundation and basically any and most of it is centered around where he grew up which is mclennan county around waco and it's really anything to help families and kids and uh, i think they donate to over 40 charities in the area wow and um you know they they showed a few of them and there were everything from early literacy to uh, homeless shelters that they're helping in the area. Wow. So um, Wade always did a concert. Um, and then I think they've just started doing the golf tournament the last few years and uh, just first class all the way. Yeah. So Joey, we want to know a little bit more about the the man behind the brand. Uh, you guys have been very successful, but where, where did you get some of these ideas and tell us a little bit about your start? Uh, the really the impetus behind um, why there even is a brand is I grew up a rodeo kid and um, you know, like so many kids that 
travel around with her parents now that that was me. Um, it was a different reality back then. Um, I don't think I knew anyone with a living quarters trailer. Uh, <laughs> I remember we thought we were fancy. One time we took our stock trailer and put a mattress and a box fan in the front of it. And, but, uh, you know, it was still the same thing riding around in, in my case to West Texas to, uh, AJRA rodeos and created in, in retrospect, just a few, just a few years of my life created some lifelong memories, some lifelong relationships, and uh, was just very passionate about the sport and about the lifestyle and was fortunate that my dad, you know, hauled me all those places. We didn't have much, but uh, we had a, an old trailer and a, a couple old great horses and, and they worked for what we were doing. So, um, I, I grew up in, in that and I, I got to a point where I really couldn't compete uh, when I was 14, 15 years old, just really couldn't afford another horse to take it to another level. And, uh, you know, life happened and focused more on high school sports and um, graduated from high school, tried to go the college route, but you know I couldn't afford college. And so I was always working full time during college, went to a lot of community colleges, Stephen F. Austin, University of Texas, Dallas. I just anywhere I could go get a job is where I try to go to school. And I was very fortunate to get a job in the construction business uh, for a great company that really let me kind of make my own way. And even though I didn't have a college education, allowed me to work uh, up through the ranks and um, just never thought I would leave that company, frankly. And um, one of the things that I did with them is opened up some offices on the West Coast. Well, I'd never been to California and I went out there and really became enamored with surfers. And I just thought they were a lot like cowboys. And I tried to surf myself while I was out there. And it gave me a glimpse of that culture. It also gave me a glimpse of that style, you know, of, of what an action sports brand was just because. I, I just dug it myself. And so when I started a family in my late twenties, I uh, started actually roping again. My nephew had wanted me to teach him how to rope and I was reluctant. I said, I haven't roped since, you know, I was 15, 16 years old, but he convinced me to help him uh, start roping. And I, of course enjoyed it right off the bat. And it was time to take him to his first junior rodeo. Well, I took him to his first junior rodeo, and lo, lo and behold, the kids were wearing that same action sports surf skate gear that I just discovered in California. And so I asked my nephew, you know, what, what gives? Why aren't you wearing Western brands? Because I knew he was proud of rodeo. I knew he loved it. Sure. But he, he, he indicated that there wasn't any brands that really represented his style in Western. So that's when the light bulb went off and it still took a long time. I still had to develop a name and the name ended up being pretty easy because I was a calf roper growing up. So hooey getting your hooey is something that, uh, you know, is, is I've heard since I started roping and, um, you know, every rodeo, if you listen, you probably hear the announcer say it at least once. So seemed like a good brand idea. And, um, I decided to go with headwear and I was really lucky to be able to even find because nowadays you can go buy blanks that are decent blanks. Um, but back then 
you know, probably the most expensive hat in a Western store, a cat, most expensive cap was maybe 10 bucks and it was not high quality at all. And so just finding the manufacturing piece was a big get. I was very fortunate to do that. I, we still do business with the same manufacturers. And, but the most I thought it would be, was just me selling it out of the truck when I went to calf openings and rodeos. So that's what I did. And, uh, that was about Oh seven. And, um, I would just sell them out of the truck and, uh, you know, it, it was, uh, as much as I could keep up with doing it as just a part-time, uh, gas money type gig. And then fast forward two years and Cavender's called. And we had been in a few retailers, but I didn't know what I was doing. I did everything on an Excel spreadsheet and still had a bank bag for the money <laughs> and the check. <laughs> so uh, Cavender's called, and I realized, wow, I may have to make a big life decision here. And so um, I end up, they were doing a test order for 25 stores, which I think I was in five stores at the time. So their test order was the biggest thing I'd done by far. And uh, I'll tell you a funny story about fake it till you make it. Um, I didn't have a real accounting system. I was doing it all off Excel, but I had just bought a pair of shoes from Nike. And I, and so I looked at their packing slip and I figured, well, my Nike knows what they're doing. So I made my packing slip look like Nike's. And, you know, I put like, invoice number 1022 or whatever, which, mm. you know, it was really, and just to make it look legit. And so those were the packing slips I sent out with that cabinet was, they probably didn't know it at the time, but I was just, uh, copying what I'd seen on a, on a Nike invoice. So, um, September of 09, I left the construction company and, uh, started full time and, um, just had one employee for a good while. Didn't move out of my house until maybe late 2010. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's how we got started. We, you know, we now have a, we're a decent size operation here in, in South Texas. Uh, we have 15 acres off of highway 281. Um, and we've got, uh, you know, a barn in the back, a rodeo arena in the back, and we've got, as many warehouses as we can build as fast as we can build them. And, um, you know, we employ about, uh, 50 to 60 people here in spring branch. And then we've got different, different satellite offices. So, uh, it's now that I tell the story, it's, it's been a pretty dynamic uh, decade plus and a good bit of growth. And and we've got a, a really great team surrounding us here that makes it all happen. Yeah. That's interesting too. I mean, that that's quite the success story in a fairly short period of time looking at the big scheme of things, but going back there, you know, the dynamic between the team roping and the surfers, I think that that's a very interesting parallel because you can go to probably be, I don't surf because there's sharks obviously, but um, <laughs> you know, like that style, I'm from Northern California myself. And so you have a lot of that same style to like you've got the lake, the mountain and the surfing style, and you've got X amount of brands that you can say that cross all of those lines. But the cool thing about that, and I think something that you probably saw is that there was young kids doing it. There's adults doing it. And then there's older people that did it, you know, maybe more aggressively when they're younger, but like you said, going back into the team roping yourself, is that something that is, that you can do well into, you know, the later years of your life. And so like the surfing and the team roping is 
a very interesting kind of cross on that, I think, for what you brought up on that side. Yeah, I've never really considered that parallel about it being a, a lifelong passion. Uh, I knew that, I, I remember I was talking to a bartender way back when, when all uh, this was all formulating in my head. And he didn't like that I was comparing cowboys and surfers. And uh, I said, look, if there was, if you didn't have to work, took away your need for to pay rent, what would you do every day? He said, I'd surf. That's it. I said, that's how cowboys are. Yeah. And I said, it's a singular passion that we would do, you know, every single day, every minute of the day, um, if we could. And then <laughs> he goes, all right, you're convincing me, but y'all wear those tight pants. I said, what do you wear when it's cold? He goes, damn, a wetsuit. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, those tight jeans, those tight jeans are functional too. Yeah, there's there's two words that would have shut that down, and that's Malloy family for the <laughs> surfing and the cowboy side. <laughs> um, yeah, that's interesting though, and that's the thing too. It's like, uh, you know, you go back to the Crystal Dew song about the bikers and the cowboy hat thing for you know this cowboy's hat. It's like well, you you can find you know there's songs written about it. Cody sure. Jakes and the and the, the cowboys and the hippies. Is there some crazy parallel like that to where people just, oh, I never thought of it like that. Um, but, you know, I mean, man, to hit that stride and to see what those kids were missing in that and to start with ball caps. And then from that aspect of, of how much do you have in your portfolio now as far as clothing gear? So we're head to toe now. Um, one of the things that I had to determine pretty early on, because there was no doubt that we had created a fad. And the question that I had to ask myself is, are you going to build a fad or a brand? And, um, you know, much respect to people that build fads because they're probably end up laughing all the way to the bank. They probably make more money than any of us because they get in and out of those fads. You know, there's some pretty brilliant people that have done that. Um, but you know, I was determined to build a brand and uh, so that meant that we had to, uh, you know, go into other categories. And so um, most of the categories that we're in, uh, we create, we manufacture ourselves. There are a few that are licensing partnerships. For example, in footwear, um, we design the footwear, but uh, Twisted X uh, manufactures it. So there are some licensing components to our catalog, but, uh, you know, from footwear to, to cowboy hats and everything in between, um, we, who we pretty much has it now. I believe there's even a dog collar now, correct? Oh, I forgot pets. Thank you. Yes. Oh, <laughs> gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I say that because we were up in Idaho and we went to, I think it was North 40 up there and we're walking around, you know, just walking through the store because we don't have those stores here in Vegas. And I was like, does that say hooey? It does. <laughs> I was like, I'll be danged. Yeah, that's, you know, that's something that uh, never thought to venture in. And then, you know, so many people would send us messages on uh, DM saying that their pets were named hooey, you know, especially dogs. And uh, so, yeah, it was a natural fit. And so we're always looking at things. Obviously, we're not going to be the first people to ever make dog collars, but we'll always look at things like that and say, what can we do a little differently? So our snaps, 
um, on our leashes are a little bit easier to manipulate when you got gloves on or it's cold, more like things you would be doing, you know, in, in a arena type barn environment. So there's just little things that we try to do to make things more rugged for our world. Um, you know, there are some, some pieces of, of apparel that we're very proud that we created, you know, we started a trend and then there's some things like that with collars and leashes, you just try to make it a little bit better and put your own spin and design on it. Right. Do you see yourself venturing into other animal aspects for like, you know, equine or um, is that something you've already, already done? I've had some discussions, uh, very, very preliminary about protective gear. Um, that's something I'd really like to do. I think that, uh, not only from an aesthetic standpoint where we can, cause we do a lot of patterns and, and, cool designs in our products, kind of what we're known for. So I think that we could, uh, you know, do something aesthetically that would be cool. But, you know, I also look forward to helping on the designs because that's something that, you know, we have an arena out back. So I would really like to take some prototypes and see if there maybe is a wrinkle that someone hasn't thought of in some protective gear that, uh, you know, we could maybe make our own. Um, and I was just able to develop a rope with cactus and uh, Barry and I had been talking about doing it for a long time, and I just knew exactly what I wanted. I wanted a kind of, you know, I wanted a four strand, but a, a an old school feel. Um, I didn't want a color on it, you know. Everybody's done every color on the sun. I wanted to go back to no color dye, right? And and it's it, personally, it's my favorite rope, and I have a lot of people that say they really like it. So doing things like that again, it's not recreating the team rope but it's going in and making it our own and maybe modifying and improving it just a little bit. And those are really fun projects to work with licensed partners. Let's take a quick pause and we'll be right back. Looking to rope in some news and features you can't find anywhere else? Then look no further than the series of blogs at nfrexperience.com. You'll find customized content from experts in all things rodeo and Las Vegas. There's the NFR Insider, NFR Traveling Partners, and One-on-One -on -one with Susan Canode, Hurley's Hotspots and Heart of the NFR with Brian Hurlbert, NFR Experience with Patrick Everson, and the Junior World Finals with Jack Nowlin. There's something for all rodeo fans. Check it out at NFRExperience.com. Because legacies and memories are made in Vegas. So you talked about some of that protective gear. How did that that concept and the the Ruffy brand that you guys also have? How did that come together? Was that your idea or or someone from your team? Yeah. So I, I've got to give you. I got to tell you the truth. Uh, so Ruffy was obviously a way for us to be able to go to a different segment of the market that included uh, bull riders and bronc riders. Right. So, Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I just, you know, drew up a logo that looked like the guy hanging onto a bull rope. And, um, I would love to say that it was this great marketing that got it out into, uh, you know, that, that kind of blew that brand up. But I went to Lids in Indianapolis, which Lids is one of our biggest customers to this day. Lids is, you know, they're not Western, but they're a, a huge international headwear retailer. And, I had taken a box of hooey hats. We were just starting with, with lids as well. And, uh, he go, uh, it, his name was, was Nick, was, uh, Neil Davis. And he said, 
hey, what is that hat over there? And I said, oh, it's just a sample I made. I don't even know what I'm going to call it yet. I said, I, I was thinking about Ruffy. And he said, well, what's Ruffy mean? And I told him, you know, very passionate explanation about who he is more for timings and Ruffy and all this. And he goes, all right, we'll, we'll start it in 50 stores. We'll see how it does. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so we're doubling now. There's a pucker okay. factor. Oh. Yeah. And so that's how Ruffy got started from one black and red, very simple sample hat that I just accidentally took in that cardboard box into that meeting. That's a happy and, accident. Yeah. it's uh, You wish they could all work out that way. So. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> Tell us about uh, going from there. Sorry, we're staring each other in the eyes, just scratching our heads on this deal about the expansion Probably. and growth of how we can figure out to accidentally make something cool. <laughs> we're not that cool. No. Um, man, I, I'm always interested too because, uh, you know, like the Huey party in Vegas and how that began and what that is developing into as well. Yeah. Um, it's been a real passion project. That's for sure. Um, so believe it or not, um, I think I've gone to the NFR every year since I was born. I was born in 73 and, uh, in February and my, uh, dad took me in December of 73 to Oklahoma city. Um, I, I grew up in North Texas and so it wasn't that far of a drive for us to go to Oklahoma city. So we went every year. And then the first year it was in, uh, Vegas was 85. So I would have been 12. And I don't think we ever missed a year in Vegas. And so as I became old enough to, to party and, and have a good time, which you know, wasn't necessarily legal age, but uh, <laughs> out there having fun in Vegas. And I've always been passionate about music. And I've always really enjoyed, you know, what began as the outlaw country movement um, with Willie and Waylon, Jerry Jeff. Uh, and then I was fortunate to be on the ground floor of watching uh, the Texas music movement, which turned into Red Dirt. Um with and Jack Ingram really started that way back when. So I was just very passionate about that type of music. Well, when I would go to Vegas, no offense to y'all, y'all y'all weren't y'all weren't programming it, but the music just was not very good. It seemed like casinos and bars out there said, well, just throw a cowboy hat on a guy, bring him in from Nashville, and all these Cowboys will like it. Well, I was at least one cowboy that didn't. That was the only thing I didn't like about the NFR experience is the music wasn't very good in my opinion. And so I'd always told myself if I ever have, uh, and I think it, originally I thought maybe the construction company I worked for would throw a party um, because we had a Vegas office as well. But then as I was thinking about Huey, I thought, you know, one day I want to bring good music to Vegas during the NFR. And then to compound that thought, I was riding around with uh, a guy who owns a brand, still owns a brand within Western, and he was pointing up to billboards. And he was saying, you know how much that billboard cost me? You know how much that billboard cost me as he's driving through Vegas? And I was shocked. You know, I, I was just getting started. And I thought, man, I bet I could build with good music and experience and spend less money than he spent for that billboard. So uh, I became obsessed about having some type of uh, musical experience for people in Vegas. And 
the first year and I, I thought it needed to be like the coolest club in Vegas. And I tried that and I almost, I probably did wipe out my life savings. Thankfully I was able to build it back up. The first party was a big failure. Uh, I learned not to negotiate, not to think I could negotiate with the Vegas clubs. And um, my uh, my headline act may have had a little too much fun and, <laughs> and before, before he got there. And um, so I, I really thought it was one and done. I remember flying out of Las Vegas on a Southwest flight, uh, pretty depressed that um, it had, uh, you know, been – so lackluster. And one of the places when I was looking for a venue, one of the places that was mentioned was Brooklyn Bowl. And of course, me being ignorant at the time, I'm like, I don't want to have it at a bowling alley. And so I had it at this club <laughs> that ended up being uh, going off so poorly. And so I would definitely consider the bowling alley again. So I made a call and it just so happened that Brooklyn Bowl the year that I put on the first party had had a real tough time. They had booked big and rich. And I, I think they thought, Hey, just book big and rich. He's a cowboy and the NFR crowd will come. And they didn't. And so he was, uh, they were looking for a solution. Um, and so I said, Hey, uh, you know, if you'll let me use your venue. I'll program this. I think we can do something special. And uh, it was a very modest party the first year. Um, by all accounts, but they liked uh, liked it enough that they said, hey, next year we come back and do both Fridays of the NFR. So we'll do two shows. And um, so this year will be the 10th anniversary of the Huey parties, That's but awesome. it will be the, actually the ninth year at Brooklyn Bowl. And um, it's just, well, I, I actually, I guess eighth technically because we had the COVID year in uh, in Fort Worth. But uh, Brooklyn Bowl has been the most incredible partner. That venue is uh, exactly what I wanted to accomplish, which is I wanted it to have a Vegas vibe. And that Vegas vibe, as you all know, is, is very unique. Vegas clubs, there's no clubs like them in the world. But I also wanted it to be accessible. I wanted people to go, oh, this is cool. I'm just paying Thirty, forty, fifty dollars to see Turnpike Troubadours or Dwight Yoakam, right? And um, and you know, if you want a GA, you can do that, but you can also go the VIP route. You can walk the turquoise carpet. You can, uh, you know, every everybody really dresses up. There's a big fashion element to it now. We do a live feed on turquoise carpet, so people are interviewed. So it's a great mix of being accessible, but. Uh, of accessible, but I think also having a real high-end Vegas elevated feel. And uh, that was kind of the goal from the beginning. So who's been your favorite artist so far that you've had at your party? You know, I, it seems like every year when I'm there stage right, watching someone come on that's been a musical hero, um, at that moment, they're always my favorite. Like it's that, that's, that's what I try to create every year. Um, that's that level of satisfaction. I try to get is sitting there going, wow, I can't believe Robert O'Keen is oh, right. Gosh, right. That's in front a good of one. I can't that's believe Dwight. Yo yeah. Dwight Yoakam's right in front of us. Turnpike Troubadours. Um, this year, uh, 
we have an opening and, and a lot of times it's, it's opening acts that I'm most excited about. Cause I really try to catch people on their way up mm-hmm. and, and you know, built relationships with a lot of these people. And, uh, Parker McCollum, the first time he ever played Vegas, he opened the show for, for at the Huey party. Um, Shane Smith and the saints opened the show, uh, he he's mentioned to me multiple times that people will say the first time I ever saw you talking about Shane was at the Huey party. So um, take a lot of satisfaction, not only out of having the big names that that's amazing, but also introducing people to music on the way up that we think is, is just really, you know, really unique, distinctive, authentic artists. Um, that's probably what I enjoy the most is, is introducing them to that audience that probably hadn't heard of them before. Yeah. That's kind of the cool thing too, is if it's music that you like, um, other people will probably like it as well. And they don't have, you know, I mean, now you've got other opportunities to hear new artists on YouTube and stuff like that. You look at the sensations that have come up that don't take the typical route of, I've got to go to Nashville or wherever and start and get on the radio and do all that. Um, but having that deal to where the the Huey party, it's it's one of those things where like, man, you've got, and especially with the amount of Cowboys that you have with the Huey and with the Ruffy brand, I mean, you got the top guys there and it's like, oh man, you, you're creating an environment that's already set on a pretty incredible stage. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you, you, you give people an experience that they walk away with. And that's, you know, I think that's something that's pretty neat that, that you've done there. Um, and, and with the music thing, it is very interesting because the one thing about kind of the cowboy culture is you can't, you know, like the legit cowboys, you can't tell them a lie and expect them to believe it. Mm -hmm. And so, like you said, you bring in somebody from Nashville, you throw a hat on their head and this guy's talking about like my truck or what it's like, I don't think partner, (laughs) but, um, you know, that deal to where it, it puts a level of authenticity on there that cannot be duplicated. And you, you can't convince somebody that they are a legit deal because, Cowboys will see through that. And, yeah. the, you know, the cowboy culture is one of those things where it's like, no, you, you lost me. So when you have that and you put a certificate of your brand on top of that, I think that it really does kind of set the trajectory for the direction that they're going to go. Like, no, 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 that guy's real. I saw him at the, you know, at the Huey party. So that's very, right. very interesting. Yeah. It's for me, music, you know, I think that, uh, music can be looked at as, um, either the most important thing that we have in our soul's connection to God, or some people see it as ambient noise and completely irrelevant. <laughs> so if some people see it as somewhere in between, yeah. I happen, I happen to uh, find music, um, you know, to be a really critical part of my life. And uh, even though I'm not a musician uh, per se, I, you know, I can just beat on a guitar a little bit. And, uh, but our 15 year old boys, it started playing Wade Bowen actually brought him up on stage a couple of weeks ago and had him play with him. So I'm able to live vicariously through him actually being talented at music. But, um, you know, I, I get so much satisfaction out of the, the music and the art and the lyrics that I, I feel like it's giving back to them to give them a stage like that. Like Shane, you know, Shane Smith, that was, I felt like that was giving back to him what he had already given me, you know? So, um, that's, that's a, a huge, just a huge piece. The, the band this year that fits that mold is, uh, they're called red clay strays. And, um, I cannot 
uh, you know, I, I really cannot more enthusiastically recommend their music. Um, they just, and they're not country necessarily the, they're from Alabama. Uh, so, so I say that they're not cowboy country. They are certainly, certainly country, but they're really just soulful. And, um, so it'll be fun this year because I think everybody's going to be packed in for the the headliner. And, uh, I think they're going to be, you know, sort of standing in their spots to make sure they don't lose their spots. And then they're all going to look at each other and say, wow, what did we just witness? Um, the lead singer, Red Clay Strays, uh, I don't know. He's, he's about six, five, looks a lot like Elvis just has a charisma and a stage presence. That's in the, in the rest of the band is extremely talented. One of the best drummers I've ever seen. So anyway, I, don't give me, I, I will go on and on. You may want to edit this cause I will talk on and on about music, but <laughs> bottom, bottom line is, uh, the, the big, uh, excitement for me this year and uh, introducing new music will be Red Clay Strays. Are you allowed to tell us who the headliner is? Mm. So Turnpike's coming back. Oh, okay. shut your All mouth. Right. Brand new album, Cat in the Rain. Yeah. Check it out on yeah. Spotify. See them at the Hooey Party. What? Yeah, I know. And they've been so good to us. And, um, you know, last year they had made a comment because it – it was definitely the smallest venue that they played last year. And, and I'm sure it was, uh, definitely didn't compare, uh, in, you know, the, the earnings for the, those other places. And, but they had said that they really enjoyed it and appreciated the show. And we certainly try to treat people right. And, um, so I asked them right there, I asked their management, Hey, would you consider coming back next year? And uh, they agreed pretty quickly. And so, yeah, we're just really, really fortunate to have them back. I'm not making it official. I know this is getting the word out there, but I'm not making it official because I'm going to try to figure out a way to circumvent, um, you know, ticket scalpers and brokers buying right. them. Uh, I'm going to try to make them available somehow where, um, you know, they don't get gobbled up that quickly. I mean, it's a good right. problem to have to sell out as quickly as they will. but. Sure. I'd like to give yeah. our audience that's been with us a long time uh, an opportunity to get them first. And so uh, when they go on sale, we'll see how we can skin that cat, but yeah. we're going to try. That's kind of the same thing you talk about, not the biggest venue, but uh, that's the NFR at the Thomas and Mac. It's not the biggest venue. You've got limited amount of tickets, but the experience, the environment, everything else uh, that, that that goes with it. But, you know, when you got such a hot artist like Turnpike and, um, you know, kind of like, what their little ebb and flow of are they coming back? What are they doing? And then to come back better and badder than they ever have been before. But um, really quick, tell us a little bit about the BFO at Resorts World this year. Sure. So uh, we moved to Resorts World. This will be our third year, and it's the Bullfighters Only World Championship. It's what we work and tour all year for is to qualify for the World Championship at Resorts World and then ultimately crown a world champion um, after our last performance. Um, we had had a really good partnership with Tropicana uh, pre-COVID. And, you know, we had a tent set up at Las Vegas Boulevard and Trop Ave, which, you know, you can't really get better real estate than that. I think they're building a baseball stadium there now uh, yeah. soon. And, and um, we loved our relationship with Trop, but uh, Resorts World came and, um we were reluctant because we'd, we'd never heard of Resorts World. It was kind of a strange sounding name and thought, how in the world are they going to 
be able to migrate all that NFR traffic to a place called Resorts World that people had never heard of. Well, then I met the people over there, and um, you know, it's Scott Sabella and, yeah. and his team, Luke, Luke Trusty, and uh, these folks that uh, in their previous lives um, with a with a different property knew the NFR inside and out. So because they're such great people, because they know the NFR crowd so well, they've been able to be so successful there and um, gave us the peace of mind that, you know, we can move the BFO. And so uh, BFO is freestyle bullfighting. You know, it's a combination of the Western bullfighters that you'll sometimes see protecting bull riders, but we use the uh, Mexican fighting bulls, incredibly majestic mean animals um and it's and of course we don't hurt hurt the animals it's it's not like the uh bullfights done elsewhere in the world now the bullfighters are not always so lucky they (laughs) it's a a dangerous sport for sure um and you know the show if you've seen it um it's kind of a combination of uh, I've heard people say like X game style. I've heard people compare it to a fight, like a UFC fight, the way we do production. And then of course there's the, you know, everyone in rodeo likes bullfighting as well. So um, Las Vegas events actually gave us our first opportunity in 2015 to put on a freestyle bullfight. So we owe so much to Las Vegas events and Bo Gardner um, in even allowing us to to go out there and, and create this league. And now the league is, um, you know, really taking on a life of its own. And um, it, the world championships this year should be bigger and better than ever there at Resorts World. Well, Joey, this has been an outstanding conversation. And congratulations to to you and your team and the success you've had. And, and we look forward to seeing what you guys are going to do this year when you're back in Vegas. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. I've enjoyed it. Want to experience more of the NFR? Then visit nfrexperience.com. And we invite you to subscribe to NFR Extra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and wherever you're listening right now. If you like what you've heard on NFR Extra, we would love it if you gave us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe.